Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Thank you. Now you said everything I wanted to say. Hello, yalla. So I'm Janetta, Philip's wife. I'm really, really intimidated. It's different still standing here. It's different to Bible school. It's different to so many other things just because of it feels the weight of it. So, but I'm still me, so I'm still going to talk the way I talk, and it's a privilege. Um, but before I start, I just want to open with prayer. Father, I just give this message to you today, Lord. I know that I am not a pastor. I don't have a lot of fancy words, but Lord, I pray that your spirit will will help us to see something that we can take away with us today. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good and that we can come into your presence to hear your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this message was born from a strange place. I feel, I, usually before I talk, I feel like I need to find some place in my head where I feel confident. I have not found that place yet today, <laughs> and I'm already standing here, so I haven't found the confidence yet. Just because this message was not born from me feeling like I know the answer. It was actually from me feeling incredibly hopeless. We've been, I think all of us have been through a crazy two years, not just the past two years, I think life in general. And just looking at the news these days, looking around us, there's so many reasons for us to feel hopeless. That's where this message comes from. Um, Just, we've... Personally, also have been going through some struggles this last term, and in this time, Philip said to me, "Remember, you're preaching in two weeks." I'm like, "I don't know what I'm gonna say." <laughs> I'm personally feeling very hopeless. And then one scripture kept on jumping to mind: Proverbs 13, verse 12, that says, "Hope's deferred may hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life." And then I was struggling, Lord, this is not a sermon. I can talk about this in ten minutes, and it's done. This, this is just one sentence. And then God said to me, no, you have to chew on this one. You have to chew on this one. There's so much more. Um, so I'm just going to start at one end. In counseling, of people often come because life is, they're experiencing life as too much. Something has happened. Something is going on. Something they are perceiving is too much. And often in counseling, I sit and I pray, Lord, these people need hope. They've lost hope. Um, we talk about faith a lot. We talk about love a lot. And somehow, in conversations, I've found that hope is something that people think must just be there. You must just have hope. And this scripture gives us a little bit of a clue to says that, you know, if there's no hope, we do get sick. And we're going to, I think I've got a few things up on the next slide. What does hopelessness look like? And these are conversations I think we hear a lot. I can't do this anymore. Is this really it? How can a good God? Um, And it often leads to us living in fear and even losing our faith. Now, hope and faith is not the same thing. You can have faith without having hope. And that I see in church a lot, is we have faith in an almighty God. We know we are saved, but I still feel hopeless. What do I do with this? And that's sort of where this is coming from, um, is what... 
do I do with this feeling that if I look around me, everything feels hopeless? And there's a place where it goes a bit deeper. Um, sometimes in counseling, I want to find that place with people where they feel, where they realize that something in their life feels so defeated that there is no hope. It's like this place of doom. And somehow, something has made them believe that even though they believe in Christ, even though they know God has come, we know there's a lot of things we can throw in, in this conversation. It's actually a very big conversation. There's a lot of stuff, but they still feel this doom. I'm actually, I like animations, and I always, when I, when I talk about that, I hear this doom, doom, doom. <laughs> you know, it's the end of the world scenario. We all get to that place where sometimes that's what we feel. Okay, and then what I love about the scripture is just the fact that this hope that we lose can definitely make us sick. We see this in depression. We see this in anxiety. I'm not saying hope is the fix of every mental health disorder. Now, I'm not going to oversimplify things. But not having hope is definitely an ingredient to a lot of these things that we see in, in life today and also experience to the place of, I think I've got something up there, just breathing, um, where we feel like, I don't even know what I'm doing, I'm really just breathing. Um, even though we have faith, even though we know God is big, I'm still just getting up in the morning and breathing through my day and I have to do the dishes again and another day of this. It's just, where's your hope, me? Okay, so let's look at hope quickly. Hope is an expectation and a desire for something to happen. It's, a, it's an ambition, a plan, a daydream, a longing, a yielding. Um, even if we talk about hope, I think there's a lot of songs written about it, a lot of poems. It tends to be this mystical thing. What is hope? What do you hope in? So think about that for a moment. If I just ask, you're going to hear the word hope a lot. It's going to sound strange after a while. But if, if I ask you, what do you hope in? What is your answer going to be? And then together with that, what steals your hope? Just think about this one a bit before I start talking again. Because there's a lot of stuff that steal our hope. Um, I've got something up there. History repeating itself. Um, and I'm not just talking about the wars around us. I'm not talking about big histories. I'm talking about our own history, my own mistakes. I try to get better, but I do it again. I love that person. I want them to grow, but they do it again. I really have talked to my child about this so many times. Why are they not getting it? They keep on doing it again. History repeating itself is something that drains our hope. Um, together with that, as the scripture says that we're looking at, as hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, and a longing is a tree of life. Now, this thing got me thinking a lot because if, if hope has a connection to some kind of longing, then maybe if we go to the longing side of things, we'll find some answers to generate our hope again. Okay, so let's go to that side. But I'll get there now. First, I just want to say what steals our hope. I think something else I've got up there is to summarize all of this. This thing that steals our hope is sin. It's a very philosophical thing, I think, again, for lots of people. In counseling, I find that talking about sin and talking about Jesus 
is a lot more practical than we actually think. Because sin can be out there, something that I got saved from the cross, I'm going to heaven, it's just there. And Jesus is there, I'm going to heaven through Jesus. It's a very philosophical thing, but if we can't make it personal, then it doesn't change this place where we feel hopeless. Okay, I'm going to talk about sin again, but the summary I've got up there about sin is, just in short, and this is completely oversimplified, but I love to do this in counseling, Sin is that place where people choose what they choose because they want to choose it. And that is the effect of our world. And we have to recognize it. Because sometimes we look at people around us failing us, or history repeating ourselves, and we lose our hope because we're looking at these things. But there's a bigger thing if we zoom back. There's sin. It's behind everything. It's not just that person failing me. It's not just the diseases. It's not just these things that is stealing my hope in terms of practical what we see day to day. Behind it is this big thing, sin. And sin is not God. So if you look at this world and the mess and you start losing hope and ask, where is God in this? Is there any hope? You are looking at the wrong thing. (laughs) There is a big player on the field. And this player is sin. He was released, and the effect of it is in our world. In, in counseling, I like to refer to bumper cars. I tell people, you know, like, God made this perfect bumper car field. And we all got perfect little bumper cars, and we can drive around in our cars. But the moment sin got in, everything broke. <laughs> the racetrack is busted. My car is busted. Everybody else's cars is busted. So we drive into each other sometimes just because we are busted. And then on purpose, sometimes you get people that go around throwing like snakes into other people's cars because you do get people who are malicious. You do get people who choose to harm others. So sin is this bigger picture of the bustedness, the brokenness of our world. And that is the thing behind all of this. It is not who God is. It was not his plan. His plan was a beautiful creation that he made. Man stepped in and said, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to do it my way every day. And the consequences of that is what we see. People hurting people, sin hurting people, the creation being damaged. That is what we see around us. So sin is definitely this big player on the field that we cannot just look over and say, no, but Jesus came and he dealt with it. Yes, he did, but he's not back yet for eternity. Jesus came in the picture because God realized we can't do this. And exactly that's why Jesus came, because we can't do this. Jesus came to say, I'm going to do this with you, and I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, so that you can do it. So in this messy thing that we've got, Jesus came into the picture. Okay, now I'm going to just step back a bit, hang it there, hang this sin thing there for a bit, hang it on the line, and jump back to longings. If we read the scripture and it says that our longings, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now let's zoom at longings. What are longings? I've got some up there. At longings. I think, what is that? Yeah. The longings we talk about, that I talk about in counseling a lot, is the obvious ones. My body. (laughs) My soul. (laughs) That is the stuff that, in general, if you talk about hope, people will say, I will have hope if I get a better job. 
if I get healed, if my child X, Y, and Z, if I get a house, if the war ends. And there's value in all of that. There is value in recognizing that sometimes things need to change for me to have a better future. That's fine. But there's a deeper longing that's not going to be fulfilled by just looking at our, our, at our bodies, that maybe if I lose weight, maybe if I do this, maybe if I get, you know, can bench how much, whatever. There's something in that that is good. It definitely stirs hope, but it is a fragile hope. Looking at, at just holding on to those things, um, I'm, I'm going to get back to this later, but in growing in hope, we definitely have to go here as well where we go to the body and the soul and we collect like little pebbles of hope. But there's a deeper thing to get to. And this deeper longing is the spirit. It's this hunger for us to be home. We are not home. Um, something that really stirs me sometimes is this place of why is this really the way it is? Which is a, question, a fair question. But if we stay there, then we actually lose hope. If we ask that question, why are things the way they are? Okay, sin, I get it. There's a different plan, I get it. This is not it. I'm actually, I've actually been created for eternity. Then there's a different direction in which our hope can grow. And that hope is not fragile because it's actually got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with our world. It's got nothing to do with your desires. It's completely something that Jesus gives us. And that is a hope that's like an anchor that really can keep us um, full of hope, even if we don't feel it. But I do want to say that um, in church we talk, Jesus is enough. I say that a lot, and that's true. I'm not going to say it's not true. But on this side of eternity, we don't have the whole picture yet. So maybe if I tell you Jesus is enough, it might not completely fill this longing for us to feel at peace and to feel safe and to feel at home. Because on this side of eternity, we only see in part. Jesus is enough, but it's coming. So what I'm trying to say with this is, there is a longing in us that I believe is not going to be fulfilled on this side of eternity. And experiencing that longing does not make you depressed or sad or bitter or anything. It's actually just acknowledging this is not it. God does have a bigger plan. And it sounds, I don't know if it sounds um, like it's contradicting itself, but that is actually where we find hope. And I'll get to that now. Remember that I'm just going to go over this quickly. Um, I said now about the eternal perspective. But this is one big building block in hope, is for us to understand that we do have an eternal perspective. Somebody asked me once, why do you do counseling? Do you enjoy it? Because <laughs> sometimes I do, but sometimes I get exhausted because I, you, you give a lot, ne? and I can't force people to change. That's not the point of why I do counseling. But I give so much, and then I really hope that that person would take something and do something with it. That's not my responsibility. And then they ask me, but then if you don't do it because you enjoy it, why do you do it? I'm like, well, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but I hear your question. The question is, there's an eternal value. If what I do 
can affect your relationship with God, then there's an eternal perspective and an eternal value that's worth it. Okay, I just want to jump that onto that. Because if we are living with an eternal perspective, it changes the way we look at hope. It changes the way we expect things and even the way we look at life. Okay, so just a few scriptures out there um, is that God placed eternity in the human heart. So it's normal for us to feel that longing. And that's a longing that we're not going to get completely fulfilled on the side of eternity. That we are no longer slaves, but that Christ has made us heirs in him. I can never say that word in English, heirs, heirs. <laughs> say that word. I know it's A's, A's, but it doesn't sound right. We um, inherit. We inherit a sonship and an identity, but I'm not going to go into that today. That is um, a complete sermon on its own, that we, we get a new identity that, again, changes the way we look at hope. It changes the way we look at the future. We are is to his promise. Okay, now, Jesus says, I am enough, and this is what I want to read. Um, you guys, if you've done Bible school, I remember encountering this in various places in Bible school, and, I, and it really sank in my heart that when Jesus walked into the temple and picked up Isaiah and he read this, he was reading his mission statement and he's reading what he came to do. That he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and to comfort those who mourn, to provide those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus came and he said, I am enough. I came because those longings that we are talking about, body, soul, and spirit will be fulfilled in him. And I really think on this side of eternity, we only see in part. So when we feel that longing that wants to tell you that there is no hope because we recognize the brokenness around us, I want to encourage you not to go into despair but to acknowledge it for what it is. We are not home yet. And that is okay in a way because we know where we're going. So what would my response be? My response in is, number one, <laughs> accept what is. Sometimes the hardest thing, you know those memes, whatever, go around on Facebook, not my circus, not my monkeys, have you guys seen that one? A way of people dissociating themselves from chaos. That's not my circus. Those are not my monkeys. I'm just going to walk on. There's a place where we have to stand and say, this is my circus and these are my monkeys. <laughs> you know, if you look in the, the things around you that make you feel despair. Um, I'm going to take a silly example like cleaning the house again. Like, there's a lot of other stuff I'd rather be doing. If, if something like that makes you feel despair, you know, this is your circus, this, these, is my, these are my monkeys, own it. We can go a bit further and say, if you're struggling with certain sin, accept it. Um, we look at the crazy world around us, accept it. Why am I saying that? Because there's a place where people often, 
and this is what causes a lot of hopelessness. And I'm going to try and explain something, and I hope it makes sense. I hear this a lot from people. I should not be experiencing this. This should not be. I should be better. This should be better. My question in that is, really, are you that important? We all have this pride thing within us that says, I deserve better. I should not be having this. I should not be experiencing this. We all have that. And if we stay in that place and we look at things around us that are not the way we want it to be, then it actually it backfires. <laughs> because the more we think, I should not have this, the more we're going to start telling ourselves what I think I need, and then we run away from our reality. Versus what I said earlier, accept the sin, accept the brokenness, own your monkeys, and then you make a place. Because that's the first step in actually finding hope. You don't find hope when you run away from your problems or start listing all the other dreams. That lady that I had in the mirror up there, I don't even know if we showed the slide, but there's a lot of these things on Facebook that really get your attention because it's these older people looking in the mirror and seeing something of themselves when they were younger. And that is our culture, is to dream about something else, our longings. If my longings are fulfilled, and my longings can be health, it can be beauty, it can be a big house, it can be peace. There's a lot of longing, longings that we have, and they're not necessarily bad. But if we start searching there for hope, it's going to be fragile. There's a deeper longing that only Christ can give. And a part of that is to be able to say, you know, it's not, I don't necessarily deserve better. This is going to sound crazy for a moment, but stick with me. It's not, if we can get over ourselves, it's not about me. I don't deserve better. Let's get back to sin. The world is a mess. Everything around us is a mess, and it even affected us. So if I understand that concept, and I understand the concept that Christ came and he's giving something to me that I don't deserve, then that changes. It's not I deserve better. It's God, I, this is really not like a, what I have, but please help me to do this better, or please help me to deal with this. It changes from a place of being Self, I deserve better, to I know this is not your plan, but show me what is your plan. It sounds very, it sounds very similar and it could sound very abstract, but in the place of saying, um, how am I going to make this practical? One challenge that we've been having, um, I'm not going to share too much detail, is um, sometimes your children are in trouble. And you realize this thing and you're like, this is not supposed, it's supposed to be. My child should not be in trouble. Why is the world mean to my child? Can't I just change this? This is not, then I stop and I say, okay, but why is my child more deserving than anybody else? Actually, we're not. None of us are. We're not more deserving to not be, you know, in, contact, in conflict where people have things that, that is nasty towards you. Now, if I look at the same situation, I'm like, God, I know the world is a mess. I know sin is around us. It's in my child. It's in me. It's everywhere. It's in the teacher. It's everywhere. But how can we do this to glorify your name? My hope is in who you are, not in this situation. 
That is how we change it. Not to say, my child deserves better. My child is, you know, she, oh, let's just wrap her up and not acknowledge that there is something going on. That's not going to help. But to acknowledge that there is a mess and that we are looking for hope elsewhere. Okay. So my response is firstly to accept what is and then to know that there is more. And this is where, this is where I'm going to go to the next slide. Um, we have to search for hope. Hope is definitely not some magical thing that comes when you get your new car. You get a fleeting joy <laughs> or something. But we have to actively search for hope. Some temperaments do this easier than others. I've, I have some very positive friends that it doesn't matter what happens, they're always seeing the bright side of things. They can always see hope in it. Other temperaments, in the way we are wired, maybe a little more, bit more critical about things, but you have to search for hope. And how do we do this? In two categories. You search in, in the light of eternity, which for me is the easier part because I know we're going to heaven. I know um, there's a bigger plan. I can, I can look at eternity. But the other part is to step back and say, all right, I need to look for hope now. And the only way to do that is to look at things through Jesus and to make these little bubbles of hope, to collect them, to collect all these things that we, that, that we sometimes miss because we are actually feeling at a loss of hope. Where's my last one? The last one that I've just got up there is... Um, that the biggest ingredient for me if we talk about hope is the Holy Spirit because that's the place where I realize this world is a mess. I do see everything around me as not going according to plan. I get that. I do see that there is a player on the field that wants to hurt and kill and steal. I get that. But around me, I still, I'm looking for I'm looking for joy, I'm looking for love, I'm looking for those things that God can promise us even if we're in the mess. And the, the ingredient there is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that can help us understand these things of God that we can miss otherwise if we just look at the reality of those longings that are not being fulfilled. The earthly longings. So if I go back to that scripture quickly in the beginning, just to say that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That longing fulfilled is the Holy Spirit. It's having an eternal vision. It's also knowing that, you know, that even in the mess here, the Holy Spirit is with us, and we can even today see Christ as the hope around us, but we have to look for it. Um, and that is a tree of life. Then I just have a last slide up there. Um, I'm going to go from verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Um, I don't know if I've answered the question for you if somebody had to ask you, why do you have hope? I don't know if I've given you an answer, but what I do want to invite you to do is to go sit and really ask yourself, where do I put my hope? Is my hope in a fuzzy concept of Christ? 
Or is my hope in seeing him every day around me? Is my hope in the stuff around me that's fragile? Um, or can I actually say that, you know, I have hope and I can live that way, even if I don't always see the things that you want, the, that you want to see around you? So, um, yeah, so that's just my invitation for you, is to really go think a bit about what is actually, what is stealing your hope and what is building your hope, and then to purposefully go and build these things around us that, can, that you can... I always tell people in, in, in counseling, it's, it's in the Old Testament, every time when the Israelites went through something big, they build an altar. So if we go through something, I invite people to go and collect those pebbles, those things of your story, and build your altar so that you can remember what is your hope in? What did God do? Who is he? Because that is your hope. Okay. And I'm just going to close in prayer. Father, I thank you that I know this message is not new. I know it's not something that, uh, yeah, that, but it's something that's so important, Lord. I pray that, that your spirit of hope and our understanding of it, Lord, would be outside of this world and outside of the box. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that you would really fill us as your followers, as your children, with a hope that is bigger than, than all, the, all the things we see around us that doesn't make sense to people around us. Why do we have hope? Father, I just pray that blessing over us, that you will fill us with that hope and that it would also radiate to people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.